One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Raheem Sterling is the man of the moment. An elite athlete at the top of his game who has emerged as a role model on and off the field. Born in Jamaica, but brought up in the shadow of the new Wembley, his bumpy journey has led him via Anfield, Manaus and Moscow to becoming a Manchester City record-breaker on the verge of his 50th England cap. Silencing his critics with each shot, dribble and pass, there's a feeling that he's only just getting started. This is The Rise of Raheem on TalkSport. He gets onto his right foot, shoots towards the far corner. Oh, Sterling's rising all right. The teenage rough diamond is sparkling in the late summer sunshine. England 3, Lithuania 0 on 58 minutes and Raheem Sterling has his first for his country. Raheem Sterling says he's not a money-grabbing 20-year-old. It's 2-0, surely no! Sterling's missed it! What an opportunity! And the gamble on Raheem Sterling has not worked. He is the man who will make way. Raheem Sterling and Daniel Sturridge. Be easy on him, said Sturridge about Sterling. But my word, how far short did England fall? I think it went a bit too far on Raheem Sterling in the last tournament. I think we need a bit more love, <laughs> a bit more TLC. He just comes his hands behind his ears clearly been the target of racial abuse throughout the course of the evening along with some of the other England players I don't really think I can make a difference I just can just raise awareness Raheem Sterling who's in behind the defence he takes on the defender completes his hat trick absolutely brilliant it's a big big moment for Raheem Sterling he has his first international hat my mum's always told me to love myself and, and, and who I am. The winners of the FA Cup in 2019 completing an historic men's treble triumph, Manchester City. I'm Laura Woods and over the course of the next hour, we'll follow the highs and lows of a teenager who burst onto the scene at Liverpool to a man who is changing perceptions each day. It's been quite a story and it's far from over. You'll hear from teammates past and present, current and former managers, pundits, journalists and people whose lives have been touched by Sterling. His recovery from setbacks, his resilience to proving people wrong, to always being, you know, responding in the right way to those challenges is incredible. He keeps responding to those challenges and, and he's still only 24 years old. He keeps getting better. He keeps wanting to improve. He keeps wanting to play every game. That's desire. That's mentality. That's maturity. That comes from in there, in your heart, that does. I have to be brutally honest, I didn't think he was this good. When you're talking about looking up to an individual, it's about more than football. It's about how he is as a person, how he is to speak to. For me, nothing's changed for everybody else on the outside that doesn't see that side to him. They probably like change their mindset on him, but for the people that know him, it's just the, the same guy. You're listening to The Rise of Raheem on TalkSport. Raheem Shaquille Sterling was born in Jamaica, but moved to London at the age of five. He spent his formative years growing up in the shadow of the new Wembley Stadium. After impressing at Alpha and Omega, a local grassroots club, he was picked up by Queen's Park Rangers. Their former youth coach Steve Gallen recounts his early memories of an 11-year-old Raheem Sterling. We had to bring in a whole group of players because Previously, QPR had cut the budget massively in the academy and they had to stagger the age group. So they would go under 10s, then under 12s, so all evens, under 14s and under 16s. And so a little bit more money came into the club and my brother decided that he was going to bring back another team. So we were going to go 10s and now 11s as well as 12s and 14s and 16s. So they got a whole load of lads from like the West London, in particular the North West London area, Wembley in particular, Brent, you know, that part of the world. And Raheem was one of them lads. And we started off with maybe about 25 lads and then whittled it down maybe to, I don't know, a dozen possibly. But I think you could see just even quite early, Raheem was the best player in that group. 
but he was also the smallest player in the group. He was he was very small, as it happens. So what made Sterling stand out from the rest at such a young age? The number one thing was his will, his determination. He was desperate to win, and I loved that. I love to see that in, in, in anybody. I love to see people wanting to learn as well, of course, and development is, is, is massive, especially for young players. But he was desperate to win, to the extent where if he didn't win, he would be, uh, you know, inconsolable on the side of the pitch crying. I remember that, so 11 or 12 years of age. But you know what? We were all a little bit like that when we were younger. Uh, my older brother in particular, Joe, was, was, was like that. He might not like me to say that. He was devastated to lose. And even to this day, I'm a little bit like that. I mean, and that's what I, 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 like. I liked about Raheem. But, of course, skillful, quick, uh, taking players on, trying to score goals, uh, would do anything. You ask him to get back and defend, he does it. You ask him to play left wing, no problem. Right wing, no, whatever you want, he would have done anything just to win, and that's what I remember about it. Raheem's mother, Nadine, moved her children from a notorious district of Jamaica to London in the hope of a better life for Raheem and his siblings. Times chief football writer Henry Winter describes just how desperate life was for a young Raheem. He was going off to Harlington training at QPR as a, as a, as a kid, and he would get a text from his mother telling him where they were going to sleep that night. He was. He wasn't. He didn't know where he was going to sleep that night. I mean, this is crazy. This is a you know, this is a first world country, and we've got people who are just not being looked after by society. Sterling continued to develop from a street footballer to a serious prospect. It became clear that he was a level above his peers and was quickly fast tracked through the age groups. I just kept pushing him, partly by luck. I, I then, after the under sixteen manager, I then became the under eighteen manager. And I played a couple of games of the 18s and I thought to myself, hold on a minute, these lads are all OK, they're 17 and 18, but I've got a 15-year-old boy over there who's better than these and I'm going to play him. So I brought him up with me, I chucked him in and he's sort of said that over the years in some of his quotes that Steve just kept, whatever group he went into, he just kept putting me into it. And I did do that. And I did it because, to challenge him, but I also did it, I won't lie to you, because I wanted to put the best team out for QPR all the time. And he was always in that. So, uh, as you can imagine, a 14-year-old, yeah, 14-year-old playing in the under-18s. At that time, I didn't think that much of that much of it. But I've never heard of it really since. No, no one at Charlton now is 14 playing in the under-18s. No one at QPR now is 14 playing in the under-18s. But he was, and it was not a problem to him. Raheem's rise continued, with comparisons being made to Wayne Rooney at the same age. Still 14, he was playing with men in the reserves. I had to get him out of school, and that was one of the things I did. I went to his school, I went to see the headmistress there, and then his head of year, I tried to get him out of school. The very first time he came in and trained, we set it up with Paolo Sosa for him to train with the first team, and that was unbelievable because he trained with all them guys. He was 14 years of age. Fitzall was a senior player, had played in the Premier League. You know, at that time, Rowan Vine had played in the Premier League. These were top players at the time. And I just remember at the end of that training session, them all giving him a round of applause. Not because he was miles better than them, but they were thinking, hold on a minute, he's 14. I don't know how, what the health and safety guys would, would be, the safeguarding officer would say these days, or putting a young lad in like that. But it was just almost a well done to him, but also a challenge for him. And also I wanted him to realise that, stay here at QPR and you can be in there. You can be with these guys and you can be with these guys pretty soon. But looking back, I think the best thing he did was go out of London uh, he was he was living in quite a tough area in Stonebridge and uh, I think even just there were probably some jealous people around there and so probably it was a great thing for the lad In 2010 Liverpool swooped in beating a host of big name clubs to sign the 15 year old wonder kid the initial fee was around £600,000 with several lucrative add-ons if he fulfilled his clear potential QPR director of football Les Ferdinand says the club were disappointed to lose him. Obviously, we were rewarded when he went to Liverpool. We were sorry to to, to see him go because um, we felt he was someone that was going to make it, you know, through the system and, and play in our first team. Um, but um, you know, Liverpool came and nicked him before um, that happened. No one saw him come to fruition at the football club, but um, they saw that Liverpool came in and took him early. And unfortunately, that's happened to quite a few of our young players um, who've come through the academy, especially in recent years. We've lost them, lost them to bigger clubs um, because all they have to do is pay compensation for them. So um, we suffer, we produce, but we suffer. So he headed to Anfield and was on a mission to break into the first team. Former teammate Glenn Johnson recalls his first impressions of Sterling the player. In those days, he wasn't technically great at all. He's just very quick, powerful and... He was actually at his best when he didn't have to think too much. So if people people were trying to rush him and trying to 
get into tackles early, he would bounce them off because he was very, very strong. And that to go with his pace is why I think he hit the ground running. But what was he like as a person? He was one that burst into the scene that you actually wanted to help. We spoke about players before that some turn up and they're very arrogant and think they deserve to be there and sort of throw their arms around if they're not in the starting eleven. But but he wasn't like that at all. He was very polite to everyone, more than happy to earn his stripes and certainly put a shift in in training. Sterling began to make his mark in 2011 when he scored five goals for the youth team, beating Southend 9-0 in the FA Cup at Anfield. Watching on was then-manager Kenny Dalglish and it was the Liverpool legend who gave Raheem his debut a year later at the end of the 2011-12 season. His breakthrough came in the next campaign under Brendan Rodgers. Former Reds midfielder Danny Murphy recalls his early impressions of Sterling. Always exciting to see a young player who people talk about, see what they've got, what they've not got. He always had that tremendous pace, that ability to go past people. Like any youngster, sometimes looked a bit headless is probably the word. You know, where's he going? Is he running Is he running with the ball when he should be passing it and vice versa? But over a bit of time, when he got a bit more confident, he started showing, when he was playing a bit more, showing a bit more than that. You know, that that no fear, that that confidence in his ability. You start thinking, wow, he could be a player. TalkSport presenter and Liverpool fan Mickey Quinn. Yeah, I remember him when he broke into the Liverpool first team and this baby face on him and a blistering turn of pace. Very raw, you know, uh, but you could see the ability he had there and, you know, bits and pieces of quality which he brought and that pace was a breath of fresh air in the Liverpool team at the time. Shortly after making his Liverpool debut, he found himself in the England setup, winning his first cap at the age of 17. At his club, Sterling began to form a deadly trio with Daniel Sturridge and Luis Suarez. Suarez inside the penalty area, shoots and scores for Liverpool. Flick on by Sturridge and into the net. Daniel Sturridge scores an early goal for Liverpool. Sterling with the shot, perfect start for Liverpool. Raheem Sterling. Liverpool were on course to end their title drought, yet ultimately fell just short. TalkSport presenter Adrian Durham. I mean, that Liverpool side that nearly won the league with him, Sturridge and Suarez up top, it, it was a joy to watch. And he held his own in that trio. You know, they were, they were firing on all cylinders, almost within a touching distance of the title. But he held his own. It, they didn't fail because he dropped off or dropped off a level because he's young or was inconsistent. Consistently performing week after week and game after game. And that told you, for somebody that young to do that, that told you that this kid was going to be around for a long time at the very top level. I just remember being very excited watching him play and thinking, wow, not just how good is this kid, but this is a guy who's going to play for England, represent England for many years to come and we should all value and treasure him. Danny Murphy saw Raheem's game develop under Brendan Rodgers. I mean, he played right side, he played as a tip of the diamond, had a great, when he played behind the front two for a while, he scored some goals. And you started seeing this variation to his game, you think maybe he's not just a winger, maybe he can play in these different positions. And he started scoring some goals and you think, he could be even better than what you think he is. However, after a dazzling season of football which captured the imagination of the Anfield faithful, the trio were broken up. Suarez signed for Barcelona following the 2014 World Cup and rumours emerged that Sterling was also considering his options. I think in the, in the heads of these guys, Sterling and Suarez, they were thinking, OK, we've gone as close as we can. Is it ever going to happen here? And that, for me, is what led to fundamentally both of them leaving the football club. So, yeah, it was great that they came close and they played some great stuff. We mustn't forget that. But the fact that they came so close but didn't do it just made those guys hungrier and make them want to go to clubs where they could seal success. Coming up, Sterling's relationship with Liverpool and the media turned sour. You're listening to The Rise of Raheem on TalkSport. In the summer of 2014, Sterling headed to the World Cup in Brazil after an impressive season with Liverpool. Despite only being capped four times before the tournament, Sterling was a surprise starter against Italy in England's opener. He nearly got off to a perfect start. Surridge to Sterling, Sterling picking up the ball and running with intent, past Paletta, shooting from distance! Oh, what a goal! No side netting, side netting only. However, it was a dismal tournament for Roy Hodgson's side. For the first time in World Cup history, England have lost three consecutive games. The next season proved difficult for the young forward at Liverpool. The club were hoping to tie him into a long-term deal. Sterling was considering his options. 
in October of that season, so the October before he left Liverpool, the contract talks opened and it became pretty clear pretty quickly that Raheem Sterling was not going to sign a new contract at Liverpool. Now, Liverpool weren't happy with this, obviously. They wanted to tie him in, but he didn't sign a new contract, accept a new wage and then angle for a move later like some players do. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to be leaving. So there's no point signing a new contract. He was honest with everybody. And yet what Liverpool did as a football club was kept brief in the media that Sterling was going to stay, that he was going to sign a new contract. Brendan Rodgers asked in press conferences, kept saying, Raheem Sterling's going to stay. I've got no, no doubt in my mind he will sign a new contract. Raheem is saying that his ambition is to win trophies and to be successful then it's, it's perfectly aligned with what we're looking to do. This is Liverpool, and this is one of the great clubs of, of the footballing world. And, and as I said, for Raheem to be playing here, it's, it's an honour for him to play here at a club like Liverpool in front of our great supporters. So, uh, and he understands that. All the time, he knew that the view from the Sterling camp was that Sterling was going to go, and he wasn't going to sign a new contract. So the media were being fed false information by the club, and by Brendan Rodgers, in my opinion. And I can remember getting into a taxi in at Liverpool Lime Street one Saturday morning towards the end of that season. And again, the back page of the Liverpool Echo was Raheem set to sign. And I looked at it and I thought, this isn't going to happen. So I phoned his agent and said, listen, have you seen the back page of the Echo? And he said, no. And I told him what it was. And he said, well, that's ridiculous. And he, said, he asked what quotes were in there. It was Brendan Rodgers saying Raheem will stay. And he said, well, that's not true at all. We haven't all along, we've said since October, since the talk started, all along, their stance has been that Raheem wanted to go because he wanted to go and go join a club that could win stuff. So Liverpool feed in lots of information, mainly to the Merseyside media that was very, very powerful. And that spread nationwide. That, to me, was the big problem. And what it led to was a view among the media and therefore among the fans that Raheem was greedy, that he wanted more money, and that was the big thing. He he was rejecting a, a contract but wanted Liverpool to come back with a bigger offer. And it was never about that at all. By April of that season, the player decided to give his side of the story. Breaking news on Talk Sport. Raheem Sterling says he's not a money-grabbing 20-year-old after confirming he's turned down a new £100,000 a week contract at Liverpool. In an unauthorised interview, he also said his only interest was in winning trophies. His teammates were desperate for him to stay at the club and Jordan Henderson spoke to TalkSport at the time. For such a young lad, he's, he's so mature and he's a great lad. All the lads, if you ask them around here and, and also at Liverpool, they all love him. His work ethic is, is amazing um, on the training field and he's a fantastic talent, he's a brilliant player. And for me, um, I just hope that we can keep him at Liverpool for, for many years and he can blossom there and become a top, top player. But Sterling did get his move, signing for Manchester City for £49 million that summer. The whole episode left a bitter taste in the mouth of many Liverpool fans, as Mickey Quinn recalls. Liverpool fans are very loyal. I, I just think the only thing, it wasn't Raheem as a player, it was Raheem as the person and his agent, the way they handle the whole situation. Liverpool couldn't turn down that money for a player who wanted to go. There's no getting around it. He wanted to go. And if you don't want to play for Liverpool Football Club and the history that they have, then you've got to move the player on. Danny Murphy. I personally, when City spent 50 on him, I thought it was overpriced. When I say overpriced, for what he was at that point, I thought it was a lot of money because of one really productive, good season in terms of numbers, goals. And, um, you, you, you know, they were spending more on potential, I would suggest. Sterling failed to hit the ground running in his first season at the Etihad, scoring just six goals and providing two assists. Despite the club reaching the Champions League semi-finals, they finished fourth in the Premier League. After an underwhelming season at Man City, things would only get worse for Sterling at Euro 2016. And the gamble on Raheem Sterling has not worked. He is the man who will make way. And England are out! And even in the context of a disappointing record in major tournaments, this is a terrible, terrible night. England crashed out of Euro 2016 in the second round after a humiliating defeat to Iceland. Sterling took the brunt of the criticism. TalkSport presenter Adrian Durham. I was at the game in Nice. Nobody played well. They were useless. All of them useless. Man of the match was Marcus Rashford, who came on for five minutes and trod on the ball. They were all terrible. I'm not saying Raheem was brilliant, because he wasn't. They were all dreadful. But he became a scapegoat. Former England striker Les Ferdinand believes expectations placed on Sterling were unrealistic at the time. 
For a long time, he was taking a lot of criticism. What people tend to forget about, he's still a very young man, you know, and um, he's, he's forced his way playing for Liverpool and then Man City bought him. And in between that, he's, he's made quite a few appearances for England. For someone so young, there was a lot of sort of like responsibility put, put upon his shoulders. And I suppose the same happened for, for, for the likes of Rain Rooney. Um, and some people mature a bit quicker than others. Unfortunately, because of the way the media have depicted him, has meant that that, that causes the, the, the supporters to react a certain way when people get negative press that filters into, in, into the stadiums as well. And that's what Raheem's had to deal with, and he's dealt with it very well, to be honest. Wayne Rooney was England's captain during that fateful Euro 2016 campaign. He later spoke to TalkSport about the bad press the team had faced. We all obviously want to do better in whatever we're doing. And when, when we've gone out of tournaments, it's never easy for, for anyone. I think it's right to criticise and have opinions on, on players, but I think sometimes it can go a bit... I think it went a bit too far on Raheem Sterling in the last tournament. Times Chief Football Writer Henry Winter on the criticism Sterling received around that tournament. I talked to Raheem about that and uh, I, said, I said, well, you know, when Wayne Rooney was very prominent with England... You know, we absolutely battered him if he did something wrong. And he said, yes, but the difference is, is that when Wayne Rooney does something right, you lot go, media, just go absolutely crazy and Wayne Rooney's the greatest footballer ever and he's, he's, he's wonderful. Whereas if I do something well, I don't quite get that. There was a sense that Sterling was being unfairly singled out. His life away from football regularly found itself on the front and back pages of national newspapers. Raheem Sterling partied in London. England fairly steps off a plane and insults fans by showing off. Raheem Sterling treats himself to a spot of breakfast. He was seen in his £120,000. Sterling was too tired to play for England. The Daily Mirror's football writer, Darren Lewis. There was an almost unnecessary vilification of a young man who, well, he said it himself very well. It was as if he didn't have the right to have the kind of life he'd been having away from the field for some reason. It was as if he'd be, he was being judged unfairly. It was as if he was being singled out because he was a young black man that people took exception to. Adrian Durham. Raheem Sterling wasn't born in England. He was born in Jamaica. Raheem Sterling's family history is what it is and not everybody likes it. You know, some people turn their nose up at it. So when things go wrong for England, he, for some people, would be the first person that they point to because he's not English, because maybe he's black, because of his family history. All these things that have nothing to do with Raheem Sterling, really. Nothing to do with him as a footballer and nothing to do with England being so terribly bad against Iceland in Nice in June 2016. But was Sterling to blame for any of the negative headlines? Darren Lewis. Do I think a footballer who is going out and doing his job made himself a target? You know, I see that question asked a lot. And it's a question that kind of rankles a bit because black people just want to go about doing their jobs just like anybody else. They shouldn't have to be better or worse, but increasingly they're finding themselves judged by different standards. That's why when you ask a question, it rankles a little bit because no, that there is, there is not one single thing that Raheem Sterling did to justify the opprobrium that was heaped on him during that period. And it wasn't just football people that were upset by that, but it was people away from the football, outside the game, seeing, again, yet another high-profile black man or woman vilified for no real apparent reason. And I've grown up with that ever since I was a kid. I've seen people getting to the limelight and being judged by a different standard and being picked apart because of that judgment. So when anybody asks me, did he do anything wrong? I think it's not even a question that we should address because, you know, it's very obvious and very clear that the answer to that one is no. It was the lowest point in Sterling's career so far, but things were about to change with the arrival of Pep Guardiola at the Etihad. Here's Henry Winter. It was a very important moment during uh, the Euros. I remember being at, heading towards the England team hotel at uh, Euro 2016 and getting a text from someone close to Manchester City who said, we've seen all the, the, the criticism that Raheem Sterling's been getting from the media and, and, and from some of the fans. Uh, just, if you're writing about him, just 
mention that Pep Guardiola has uh, sent Raheem a text and said, I believe in you, I've got your back, I'm arriving at this great club and we're going to do fantastic things together because I believe in you. And I just think, first, that's an insight into what a good coach Pep Guardiola is. But also, it showed the pathway for, for Raheem Sterling. Pep was asked about Sterling at his first press conference. Of course, he has a little bit problem. The, the money they pay for, for him and always is in the mind from the people. But I am curious. I am looking forward to work with him to try to to help him to, to show us again how good player he is. Coming up on the rise of Raheem, how Pep Guardiola took Sterling and Manchester City to the next level. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Welcome back to The Rise of Raheem on Talk Sport with me, Laura Woods. Pep Guardiola arrived at Manchester City in the summer of 2016 and assured Sterling that he was a key part of his plans. City won their opening 10 matches under Pep, with Sterling picking up Player of the Month for August. Fantastic finish into the area, little jinky run by Sterling, and the finish absolutely sublime. And it's a perfect 10 wins for 10 for Pep Guardiola. But the season tailed off and ended trophyless for City. Sterling only scored 10 goals that season, but was a near-ever-present for Guardiola. However, the next season, City won the title with 100 points and picked up the League Cup, and Sterling more than doubled his goal tally. Back to Sterling, curls it! It's there! (laughs) Raheem Sterling has scored with probably the final kick of the game. Pep Guardiola's on the pitch, jumping for joy. Being such an amazing team, with a great coach, um, in an environment where I'm constantly learning and just being able to, you know, have someone that trusts you and um, gives you that encouragement to always want to do better and never ever making you stay still and always keeping you on your toes. That's, I think that there's no better place to be than that is to have a manager like um, Pep, you know, that always has you on your toes and you're never comfortable. Danny Murphy discusses how he evolved into a real goal threat. His improvement has just been sensational. And I mean improvement not in just confidence, of playing with good players, because that helps. But technically, he's obviously been working on his finishing. He's not lacing balls and thrashing at balls now. He's calmly side-footing them in. He's shooting from outside the box. He's getting in on the back post. He's playing on the left. He's playing on the right. He's played up front. What has also developed is is the efficiency of his decision-making. I mean, there was one particularly tactical, also technical thing that Guardiola taught him. Just to not take that extra touch, that velvety touch, which Raheem always did, when the ball got played in it, but actually take it on his instep and keep moving because it just kills the defender. I think Mikel Arteta deserves a lot of praise. Guardiola, obviously, I mean, you only had to see that Netflix thing to realise that Guardiola, you know, he's a great man manager and he pours love on a player. But also he says, listen, if you're not going to be finishing these chances and you're getting good chances in a game, I'm going to put someone else in because we've got a strong bench. So I think Raheem took that as a challenge. And it was quite funny because when he bought this new house, everyone said, oh, he's got... Three, a garage for three cars. Why does he need that? And I, I went there once, and um, I said, "Well, it's your, you know, the, the cars, quite modest, you know, straightforward cars, were parked outside, and the garage had been turned into a gym. And it, I mean, that's a serious gym in there. And um, 
out the back, he's got a, a goal and he's got mannequin, so he can he can practice his uh, free kicks and he's finishing. So you know, this is a he works hard in training and away from training. Insight there from Henry Winter. Despite now a Premier League winner, the jury was still out on Sterling, the England player. In the build-up to the 2018 World Cup, Sterling spoke to TalkSport and urged the media to be more positive ahead of the tournament in Russia. I feel it's the build-up, probably the build-up towards the tournaments, you know. I think we need a bit a bit more love, <laughs> a bit more TLC and encouragement. I don't think it needs to be a negative or, you know, what if or ifs and buts. I think... There should just be a, a positive energy going throughout the whole country, throughout the whole, every newspaper, and just give the boys something um, to go out there and, and do their best with. And uh, that's my honest opinion. I think um, too much times seeing the teams going to tournaments a bit negative, you know, at the same time. I think with positivity, everybody in the camp would be buzzing, everybody will be raring to go. And I, I think that's, that's the... the most important message we need to give. Sterling and England headed into the World Cup with fresh positivity under Gareth Southgate. However, in the days leading up to the tournament, Sterling once again found himself on the front page with more negative headlines. England footballer Raheem Sterling has defended his new tattoo of a gun, saying it has a deeper meaning and refers to his late father. Gareth Southgate leapt to Sterling's defence and diffused the situation. In my view, a tattoo is like any work of art. What has been clear from his own statement and his own experience is that he's not somebody that supports or wants to promote guns um, in the way that was perceived at first. Despite Southgate's support, Sterling continued to split opinion in an England shirt. He failed to score in the three Lions run to the World Cup semi-finals. Maguire to Kane, Kane deep, here's Sterling, he's in, he's onside and Olsen has saved it. It's then hammered away and England will make the change before the free kick is taken and it is Rashford for Sterling. It was clear that he'd not won over the public support. Former England striker Darren Bent couldn't understand the criticism. It seemed like every game England played in the in the tournament, if things didn't go 100% as, ah, oh, we should change it, let's get Raheem Sterling out. Mm. For whatever reason, I can't understand why, because he was fantastic for Manchester City. You could see what he, he's like when he's high in confidence and he's playing really well. Guardiola seems to got the best out of him. But for whatever reason, it needs to be public enemy number one. I mean, mm. whatever he does off the pitch gets questioned. What I can't understand is, if you're going to give someone so much disrespect and not give him a chance before the World Cup starts, how can you expect him to produce his best <laughs> performance when he already knows half the nation don't like him? Following the World Cup, Sterling continued his transformation under Pep as the club hunted down an unprecedented quadruple. Low ball to the back post. This one's not offside. Raheem Sterling is there to turn it in. However, in December... Multiple incidents throughout the game put the issue of racism in football back in the headlines. Sterling spoke up on Instagram and sent shockwaves through the sport. Raheem Sterling claims newspapers are helping to fuel racism by how they portray young black footballers. It follows alleged racist abuse from Chelsea fans during Manchester City's defeat at Stamford Bridge yesterday. The Instagram message was it the day after the, the Chelsea game basically conflating the, um, the, sort of the, the, the media criticism or media perception of black footballers with then some of the reaction on the, on the terraces. Even though police eventually said there was no racist element in this, you know, there's obviously you know, there's a lot of anger on the, on the terraces and we saw that at Stamford Bridge. I just think that was such a significant moment. The Times chief football writer Henry Winter recalls a conversation with Sterling's agent, A.D. Ward. And I said, you realise Raheem has just rolled a hand grenade through the press box. And I immediately decided to vote for him as Football of the Year, partly because his football's been fantastic. But also the impact that he's had on our industry. You know, I immediately took it upon myself to, 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 to make sure that, you know, the Times is actually, the sports desk is, is pretty diverse place but actually what can we do more so Raheem's changed our industry as well as football. Darren Lewis football writer at the Daily Mirror. As far as Sterling speaking it was a refreshing change here was a player not waiting until he'd retired to shout loudly but who was still on the field of play not worried about the potential for for a backlash the repercussions but saying I'm a top player at a top club I will use my voice not only to defend myself but to draw a line in the sand and to make sure that other players, not just my age, but younger players who don't have my voice, don't have my profile, might be in the championship in League One, League Two, those players are able to know that they don't have to suffer in silence anymore. 
Former England striker Les Ferdinand has been vocal on racism within the game. He's come out and, and, and heard his views and, that's, and, and, and because he's playing football and he's playing very well at the moment, it's, it's been able to put himself in the limelight and, and the comments that he's made has made everybody stand up and take notice. Darren Lewis believes this was a crucial moment where black British players began to believe they had a voice. Ever since I've been in sports journalism and I joined the Daily Mirror in the year 2000, I've seen time and again the racist abuse that players have had and the inability of the game to deal with it, not just in Spain, France, Italy, Eastern Europe, but also here in this country as well. And my feeling for a long time has been that the players have not realised their power. In America, the players are very, very empowered. You attack them, they'll attack you right back. There was one particular commentator who told LeBron James when he tried to give his opinion on the social and economic problems that had been surrounding him to shut up and dribble. And he came out and said, I will not shut up and dribble. I have my right to be able to speak about the environment, the communities that I come from. I have a right to be able to set myself up as an example to the young players who can be in this position to use their voices. In March of this year, England's players were subjected to racist chants in a European qualifier in Montenegro, and Sterling was praised for his defiant reaction to the abuse. He just cupped his hands behind his ears, clearly been the target of racial abuse throughout the course of the evening, along with some of the other England players. England teammate Danny Rose believes Sterling's words and actions are already having a positive effect on football. How he's conducted himself, you know, this season has been... Absolutely amazing. I can't speak highly of him. You know, he's so strong mentally and, you know, the stuff that he's had to put up with throughout his career has been, you know, it's been very unfair. And uh, how he's changed people's opinions of him this year has been has been brilliant. And, you know, yeah, I'd like to think that what the media's done, you know, since then has been, has been great and it's something that I've noticed uh, definitely. And I think now there's... Um, the sort of you know a, a wave now that we can you know we've got a bit of momentum now and hopefully it's going to be a long process but hopefully this could be the start of you know something with you know the media and fellow black players that we can you know eventually try and er- eradicate this problem in in football. Manchester United striker Marcus Rashford is full of admiration for his international colleague. I've always I've always looked up to that type of person regardless if he if he won last year or or this year because. When you're talking about looking up to an individual, it's about more than football. It's about how he is as a person, how he is to speak to, what type of advice he gives you. And for me, he's been he's been brilliant. You know, when I've been coming to England, especially when I was younger, he'd always give me information. And you know, in the games, he'd always help. He'd always help you out. So for me, nothing's changed. For everybody else on the outside that doesn't see that side to him, they probably like change the mindset on him. But for the people that know him, he's just the the same guy. Coming up on the rise of Raheem, Sterling flourishes on the international stage and sees his influence increase off the field. Sterling's influence at Manchester City continued to grow this season as Guardiola's men targeted an unprecedented quadruple. And then it's on to Raheem Sterling, who's in behind the defence. He takes on the defender, completes his hat-trick. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This would also be the season where he'd finally make his mark with the Three Lions. In October, he ended his international goal drought as Gareth Southgate's men recorded a famous victory in Spain. Kane tries to pull it back and Sterling puts it in for number three. You almost cannot believe what you're watching. Spain are being torn apart on the counter-attack. Harry Kane again the architect and Raheem Sterling, who hadn't scored for three years, has two in 20 minutes. Sterling's performances and goals helped fire England to the Nations League finals. Meanwhile, he continued to enhance his reputation off the field. He contributed significantly to the Grenfell Tower Fund and donated more than 500 FA Cup semi-final tickets to pupils from his old school. Last July, Raheem became aware of Damari Dawkins, a Crystal Palace youth player who was suffering from a rare form of leukaemia. Raheem Sterling got involved and he put out a tweet, you know, requesting, you know, people help him and stuff like that. And he just went from there, just went crazy from there. Tony Dawkins, Damari's father. Sterling joined the campaign to find the youngster a life-saving stem cell donor. 
Though his contribution didn't end there, as Tony told TalkSport's James Savundra. Damari said that I'd like to meet him, and he said that he wanted to meet Damari, so that's when we decided to see if we can get them together, which proved a little bit difficult because of Damari's illness and the fact that um, Raheem trains, and obviously the two things are important. So it was hard to get them to meet, but eventually they did meet, and, and it was really good, you know. And he came down and spent a lot of time with Damari, and... They they chatted about football, they chatted about everything, you know, and they got on really well, you know, which was really nice. What was he like, Raheem, when he came to visit Damari and what effect did it have on Damari having, I imagine, one of his heroes and, and one of the, the poster boys of England football come to visit him? With Damari, he's kind of funny because he doesn't look at people like... He, he's met a lot... In his time, he's met a lot of footballers, yeah, more for, I've met so many footballers through him. He takes, he's, he's sort of laid back. But you know, inside he's excited. So he didn't really show it, but he was excited that he was meet, he's meeting him. And the, like I said, Demise is very down to earth and he treats people like that, you know. And that's why I think they're connected because, you know, they just got on. They just, you know, started chatting to each other and... Then they, he said, oh, let's play pool. And they started playing pool and they started joking around. And, you know, as I said, you know, they got on. It wasn't a case of a, he was like in, in awe because Demai's never in awe of anybody. <laughs> Just that sort of boy, you know. It seems clear that, that Raheem felt a real connection with him. Yeah, he did. He did. I mean, like I said, he came down. He didn't just spend an hour, took photos and went. He came down, sat down with him. They chatted. They played pool. You know, they then took photos together. You know, they just had a good, good relationship. And then, like at the end of it, they swapped numbers. And they, they, um, thing. He, he spent, I'd say, about four or five hours with him. You know, which was really nice. I thought, you know, he'd come down an hour and he's gone, but he didn't. He's, you know, really spent some time with him and sat down and chatted with him and. You know, they were talked about football and he was saying how, you know, you should be dedicated and, you know, always practice, 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 which is what something that Damari done anyway. But, you know, it was nice to hear it from a professional, you know, because that's um, eventually one of the things Damari wanted to do, you know, when he got rid of the illness. Because obviously, because of the illness, it kind of held him back because he was coming off his three-year treatment and he was going to go for trials afterwards so he could get into the academy. But because of the illness coming back, he couldn't do it. And that's what he was waiting for. He was just waiting for that so he could go full training, get really fit, and then try, you know? But yeah, Raheem, it was really nice of what Raheem done for him. It gave Damari some hope as well, because I mean, obviously, we needed to give him some some hope, because obviously he's facing a life-threatening disease. And I know deep down, he knew he wasn't going to survive, you know? So it was comforting to, for him to know that somebody of his stature could come down and support him and help him, you know what I mean, and talk to him, you know. It was really nice. The things that went on afterwards, I, as I said, I wasn't privy to, but I found out only afterwards. I know that he'd done a, a thing where, um, I remember Crystal Palace played Man City and they lost. And Damari was in, that, at that time, Damari just had the stem cell transplant, but he was in isolation. And he said to me, Dad, Dad, let me put on my tracksuit. So he put on his Crystal Palace tracksuit, took a photo and he sent it to Raheem. You know, for a joke. And I thought, wow, you know what I mean? But that's the sort of things that, that he done, do you know? So, yeah, it was. it's nice that they had that sort of thing. He, and he kept in contact with him, you know. it was he, They were close. Sadly, despite a successful campaign to find Damari a stem cell donor, he passed away in March. Days later, England played the Czech Republic in a European qualifier at Wembley. He intelligently works it forward. Generous round of applause. He finds Walker. Almost ricochets through for Sterling. Sterling! 3-0! That is a goal of real quality. He has matured into a player of genuine international quality, Raheem Sterling. Two goals in Spain. Two goals for him tonight. 3-0 for England and three points now is sure. Sterling scored his first England hat-trick. After his second and third goals, he revealed a T-shirt in honour of Damari. It was shocked, we were all shocked, but it was really a nice gesture of his to do because we know the position he's in, a position he's put himself in to actually do something like that. It felt like Damari was on the pitch with him because the way he played was outstanding. But it was like, you know, 
like his spirit was there, willing him on. He was on a different level playing on that match. You could see he was determined to score and he was not determined to score one goal. He was determined to score more than one goal and he just felt like Damari was guiding him all the way, like he opened the pitch up for him. Even the goal that he scored, the way the pitch opened up for him to put that ball away, I just felt he was on the pitch. That's how I felt. I thought, wow. I've seen Raheem play before and I know he's a good player, but I've never seen him play at that level. You know, and that's the thought. Yeah, definitely Damari was there with him. On the club front, City retained the League Cup and the title and looked to achieve a domestic treble when they took on Watford in the FA Cup final. Off the post with the first shot, back into Sterling and City scores six in the FA Cup final. It is an absolute morning from Pep Guardiola's team. I think it took him a little while to mature a little bit, but I think he's shown a level of maturity as a man and as a footballer over the last couple of years that has just catapulted him into such a key figure at this football club. And it, having won the treble, if someone said to me, pick a player out of there that epitomises Manchester City and their achievements, I'd have to pick Sterling. He is the one player that's always on the team sheet, by the way. You know, he doesn't mm. leave him on the bench very often. After an exceptional season, he was voted the Football Writers Player of the Year and PFA Young Player of the Year. He was narrowly beaten to the main award by Liverpool defender Virgil van Dijk. The Dutchman gave Sterling his vote. It was a, a tough choice between him and Bernardo Silva. I think I put Bernardo Silva as young player of the season just because I think both of them have been outstanding. Yeah, I think he's made a, this 12 months definitely has you know, has improved as a as a player. He's been very important for, for, for City and... Yeah, you know, hopefully next year is going to be a bit less so we can have it a little bit better. But, you know, City have been outstanding. If you look at the whole team, I could have picked five or, or maybe six players that could have been up there. So, yeah, just respect. Danny Murphy. What made his season even more impressive, and people forget this, is that, you know, he, he played a lot last summer for England in the World Cup. And I thought he had a good World Cup, personally. You know, he didn't score, but he, I thought he had a good World Cup. He's hardly missed a game. His fitness, so that application, dedication, he might be earning, what, 150, 200 grand a week. You know, people talk about money. He's had his problems in the media. People talk about, well, he's not got this attitude, he's not got that attitude. Well, he's got something right in his mentality to want to improve when you're earning what you're earning, winning league titles, he keeps getting better. He keeps wanting to improve. He keeps wanting to play every game. That's desire. That's mentality. That's maturity. That comes from in there, in your heart, that does. That doesn't come from someone saying, come on, that comes from within. So his improvement, I have to be brutally honest, I didn't think he was this good. I never thought he could get to this level. It's hard to believe Sterling is just 24, a player who has experienced so much. But what else can he achieve in this sport? Here's England manager Gareth Southgate. Well, I think given his age, um, you know, players, you, you, you're constantly learning the game. I think forwards probably peak a little bit earlier than defenders. But at 24, there's still things he'll be learning about um, getting into. You can see the areas where he gets into more regularly now and uh, he's more confident in front of goal, prepared to hit things earlier. He's working with a fantastic coach at his club. All of those things will only improve him. Teammate Fabian Delph. I see him in the next couple of years being been in that top five category of world's best players so he's got things that he's going to work on and he'll continue to work on he's, he's a great lad he works really hard he's, de- he's dedicated to his craft and hopefully he can keep pushing Les Ferdinand speaking to James Savundra I think you're looking at his, his improvement under Pep and you think to yourself wow and you look at him he's still saying he's still young <laughs> so there's there's a lot more for him to learn and there's a lot more for him to do and I think he's enjoying his, um, his newfound um, successes in front of goal you still look at him and think, yeah, if he can iron out this and iron out that, there's a lot more to come from him. So um, in terms of the, the club he's playing for at the moment, people, someone was talking to me the other day and he says, he's a ne- is he the next one that goes to a Real Madrid or a, a Barcelona? You know, that those are the next step, stepping stones for him if he continues to have the success he's having at Manchester City at the moment. You think he's a good enough player to, to play for Barcelona or Real? I think when you look at some of the players that are playing for those teams at the moment, um, he's certainly being in, in the company of, uh, he'd be in good company if he went to those football clubs. Talk Sports, Adrian Durham. I think Raheem Sterling is absolutely made to be England captain. And the sooner it happens, the better. For reasons on the field, he's a winner. 
And for reasons off the field, he's absolutely a born leader. And we're seeing that. Certainly in this past season, we're seeing the leadership he brings to the game. I think that Raheem Sterling is made to be, born to be England captain. And that's got to happen. The final word to the Times, Henry Winter. What else can he achieve in the game? He'll win a tournament with England. I've never felt more confident with, with England. I never feel confident with England. And I've been covering it for 30 years. I think he will be, I imagine he'll go to Real Madrid or Barcelona maybe in five years' time when he's won everything. But he'll win a Champions League with Manchester City. He'll win a tournament, possibly the Euros next year. And wouldn't there be a symbolism for him as the kids who grew up around there, you know, cycling around there? with a fairly difficult background, but looking up and dreaming and seeing the arch and thinking one day, and it could be next year. Now I'm strong enough for both of us. You've been listening to The Rise of Raheem, a TalkSport exclusive production. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.